a farmer, we need to have economic, um, economically positive numbers to keep a crop in the rotation. We're looking for ways to keep barley in the crop rotation in Alberta to diversify it beyond, you know, that wheat canola cycle that many acres are stuck in. So. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Growing Point podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Boychin, and our goal with this podcast is simple, to provide Alberta farmers and agronomists with timely, relevant, and valuable agronomic knowledge through interviews with experts in various fields of agriculture. We hope that the agronomic information from this and future podcasts brings value to you and your farm. So in this podcast, we chat with Laurel Thompson, crop researcher at Lakeland College. Uh, We chat about two of the different projects that she's been working on recently. One, growing malt varieties for feed. Uh, And this is an idea of, of, you know, can we um, grow malt varieties um, with feed and use in mind, so high nitrogen rates and what the economics might, would that might be um, compared to just growing malt for malt and use or growing feed for feed and use. Um, trying to see whether there's a genetics play in there. Um, so very valuable information for producers who are maybe looking at malt but also looking at feed and, and trying to get an understanding of, of what direction might be more valuable. And then the second uh, project we chat about is the effects of the uh, potentially upcoming uh, uh, PGR MODIS, which which uh, is not yet registered in Canada, um, but hopefully will be soon, and its effect on malt barley varieties. Um, so we chat a little bit about um, uh, height reduction, uh, how it impacts yield, how it impacts lodging and maturity. Um, so very informative podcast with Laurel today, and I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks. Good morning, Laurel. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on the Growing Point podcast. Today we are here to talk about mostly malt, but there's some feed in here. Uh, you've done a few research projects recently, um, and we're going to kind of dig into to some of the results and preliminary results of these. Um, but maybe before we get too far in, um, maybe give a little introduction for those who don't know you, where you are, what kind of research you do. Sure, thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Um, As you said, I'm Laurel Thompson. I am the crop research scientist at Lakeland College in Vermilion, Alberta. And I focus mainly on agronomic solutions to increase cereal production and profitability. So, you know, what kind of projects does that typically involve for you? Or like, what have you been doing in the the past and and maybe current that uh, relates to that? A main focus of the program, cereal program at Lakeland here um, has been looking at anti-lodging um, agents in, in barley and wheat. Um, so we've been looking at plant growth regulators to mitigate lodging risk. Um, we've also been collaborating with some other researchers uh, with Alberta Agriculture and Egg Canada. Um, you can hear my little guy in the background. Uh, he's joining in on the podcast too, uh, my little baby. So thanks for having us both today. Um, and then I also have a broadleaf. I've been growing the broadleaf uh, pulse and cereal program in the last two years to hopefully expand that beyond what it is uh, currently. So it's been um, quite a well-rounded uh, experience for me here at Lakeland College with the small plot research. This, the, I mean, this research hits close to home too. You're a producer in the area, and, and these are challenges that you deal with on your farm 
too. Am I correct? Certainly, yes. We uh, are uh, barley producers, my husband and I, and uh, we've got uh, beef cattle as well. So um, certainly when I'm looking at future and current research projects, I have the researcher lens, but I'm also looking at it uh, from an economic lens um, and a logistical lens often uh, from a producer farmer standpoint. So we are here to talk about a couple specific projects. Um, and the first one is uh, producing malt for feed and use. Um, and, and that's kind of uh, an interesting new new concept. And I, I know there's probably producers that are already out there um, functioning this way, but putting um, maybe a, a, an, epi, an economic and, and small plot research focus on it to get a better idea of what the potentials are of this um, direction that, that producers can go. Um, maybe can you give me a little preface or give us a little preface of, of why this research is happening um, and what the hopeful value of it will be? Definitely. So some of the research I've been doing in the past um, from 2014 to 2016, a really large study was showing, looking at feed barley varieties and agronomy. And um, indirectly what we were, what we found out was that of the 10 varieties we tested, some of the newer feed varieties uh, were kind of a static or neutral, sometimes lower yield than much older 15 year old varieties that we tested. Um, so that was a surprise to us. So, you know, realizing that we also are seeing about a 3% decline in barley acres in Alberta over the last 20 years on average. Um, what we're looking, what I was looking to to investigate was how can we increase feed barley production. Um, there had been some anecdotal evidence that some of these malt, newer malt varieties were fairly yield positive and um, performing really nicely on farm. So um, we wanted to investigate, could we manage a malt variety with feed nitrogen rates, so higher nitrogen rates um, to try to increase production and profitability. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a high risk situation when you're in an area where sometimes you're getting malt, sometimes you're not getting malt. Um, so you're, you're, you're stepping back on yield potential to grow a malt variety in the hopes that the value and market um, of that grain ends up, ends up making up for that potential yield loss. So we're hoping to minimize the risk in that situation. Yes, def definitely minimize the risk, especially because, um, as many of us, uh, fairly widely known that the environment is a, a huge factor in malt grade so it's often out of out of uh, agronomic control um, so you know also knowing that as a farmer we need to have economic um, economically positive numbers to keep a crop in the rotation um, you know we we're looking for ways to keep barley in the crop rotation in Alberta to diversify it beyond, you know, that wheat canola cycle that many acres are stuck in. So from a broader sense, um, from a systems perspective, that would be one of the goals here is to increase barley acres to, to diversify our rotation and help, help some of those other underlying issues that pop up with a shorter wheat canola rotation. So what, 
did this, uh, what did the structure of this research project look like? What, what varieties were we involving? Um, what kind of nitrogen rates were we doing? Um, locations? Um, what did this trial look like? Right, so we conducted this experiment over two years in 2019 and this past growing season in 2020. Um, it was in Vermilion at Lakeland College and Forestburg with Battle River Research Group. And we wanted to see if the risk, we wanted to look at three malt varieties and three feed varieties um, that we actually chose in consultation with a farmer panel uh, from the region. Um, so the feed varieties were CDC Austinson as kind of a benchmark check, large acre, very familiar feed variety. Um, then we looked at two newer feed varieties, Brahma and Oriana. And then on the malt side, we looked at CDC Copeland as that benchmark large acre familiar check, um, AAC Synergy, and then CDC Bow. So those were the suite of varieties that we looked at. Um, we grew them under two nitrogen management strategies. So a low rate that would be um, kind of encapsulating that malt agronomy with a to um, keep protein low. So that was the 80 kilogram per hectare total nitrogen rate. And then the higher feed rate, which was 140 kilograms per hectare total feed rate. Th with those two nitrogen rates um, applied to each of the varieties. Okay, to kind of see how they would fall in, in, a, in a feed focused end and a, and a malt focused end. So what type of, um, what kind of results did we see from that? Was there any varieties that um, kind of stood out in these trials? Was there any scenarios that, that looked like the clear advantage in, in one direction or the other? The results that we were have been finding uh, after these two years, so four environments, uh, so I'll preface these results that Yes, it was a multi-environment study. Four environments is not huge, but we still got some valuable results from it. Um, so that what we found was some malt varieties were similar yielding to feed varieties and often similar yielding to the feed benchmark Czech CDC Austinson. But most often it was a newer feed, the Oriana variety, that was the highest yielding um, and higher than the malts every time. I guess what we could say is sometimes malt varieties were able to yield similar to feed varieties, but never did they yield higher. All right, everyone, we're going to commercial quickly, but we will be right back. Alberta's Crop Protection Guide, otherwise known as the Blue Book, is a coveted and long-standing resource for Alberta farmers and agronomists. The Blue Book is now being produced by Alberta Barley, Alberta Canola, Alberta Pulse Growers, and the Alberta Wheat Commission. That's right, four of Alberta's crop commissions are now producing the Blue Book. Visit albertabluebook.com today and place your advanced pre-order of the 2021 Blue Book with shipping in March. That's albertabluebook.com. So, I mean, Oriana yielding potentially much higher than or higher than, than some of these other varieties or these malt varieties, but did that always make it the most economical direction as well? Um, so we looked at the profitability and the economics. Um, so when we, the economics kind of followed the yield results so that sometimes malt varieties could occasionally be as profitable or a few, a few times what we saw was some of the higher yielding malts were more profitable than the lower yielding feeds in, in a given environment. 
but uh, more often it was um, the feed varieties that were more profitable when grown for feed and use than malts grown for feed and use. And there were actually a little bit increased lodging issues for malt varieties compared to feed varieties. So there was still that standability risk that, um, that we saw with the malts grown under high nitrogen rate as well. So when you were trying to take those malt varieties and target feed end use, just the, the standability was, became a challenge um, and potentially an economic factor. Um, certainly a challenge. Um, not that all of the feed varieties stood perfectly every year, but um, it, the malt varieties tended to lodge more often than the feed varieties under the high nitrogen fertility package. So uh, with this information from these trials, um, you know, we're, we're obviously looking for the most economic direction to go when it comes to producing barley. So is there, is there maybe a, you know, a few things that you could tell producers in summary of, of maybe an economic direction to take um, this information and implement it on their farm? Yes. So we actually looked at, uh, we ran the economic analysis, um, looking at malt varieties fertilized under malt fertility. So that low nitrogen rate and assuming that that grain made malt grade. And we looked at feed varieties grown under the high nitrogen rate, um, of course, for feed and use. Um, in addition to looking at malts grown for feed and use. Um, but what we actually found was um, fairly positive. So what we found was most often the most profitable way to grow barley, um, this happened half the time, was to actually choose a high yielding feed variety. In the case of this study, it was Oriana and, and target feed and use off the bat um, and fertilize it with a higher nitrogen rate. Um, and in two of the four environments, that was more profitable than growing a malt variety for for malt end use, um, which is favorable from a risk management strategy. Um, so that can this could help producers maintain profitability while eliminating some production risk from their um, crop crop plan. Um, those numbers are are based on a $700 per metric ton urea pricing, $4 per bushel feed barley pricing and $5 malt pricing. Um, and we actually found that Oriana ranged, the, the increase in profitability when we looked at Oriana, which was the highest yielding feed that we tested, um, we saw an increase ranging from 16 to $72 per acre higher than if we were to grow a malt variety for malt end use. Um, and that range depended on which malt variety we were comparing Oriana to and which growing environment we were looking at. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we keep mentioning Oriana um, as kind of being the, um, you know, the, the top contender in this situation in these trials. Um, and, and, you know, it's that new, the new genetics um, that that is is potentially putting us in that position um, compared to some of those malt varieties, um, you know, it just maybe goes to show that maybe in some of these situations we're seeing um, uh, some kind of leaps and bounds with with some of these genetics. Um, does that is that something you would agree with, or, or how do you feel about that? Um. I think so. I mean, we did certainly were limited in how many varieties we could test. I would have loved to included many more varieties. I'm certainly not trying to favor 
um, variety, some varieties over others, we only were able to test three feeds. So I, I know I keep saying Oriana, um, it performed well in this situation. I'm, there were many other new feeds that we weren't able to test as well. Um, one thing that was great with Oriana was the standability was excellent. Um, a short, very good standing variety. So that was really positive to see. Um, so I think because of the yield and the standability characteristics, um, that's why Oriana was able to, to excel. I think uh, either way, some, some this, this information is, is very valuable in terms of, of um, helping make decisions on which direction to go, depending on you know, how often I'm really getting um, malt, or even if I am getting malt often enough, uh, integrating maybe some feed options in there if, if the market availability is, is, is there. So um, I think very, very valuable information. And- and we need to remember too that on any given year, half of the insured acres, roughly half, are, are seeded to a feed variety. So I think we can kind of get out of the mindset of sometimes malt or feed being the poor cousin of, of malt barley. Um, it is a profitable option to decide to grow a feed variety targeting feed end use and and keeping that agronomic package of higher nitrogen with that that feed and shooting for that out the get-go. Um, the least profitable scenario that we ran in this study was growing a malt variety for malt end use and grading feed, which happens to a significant en- number of acres across the province every year. So from a profitability standpoint, um, it's not a bad idea to to actually to make make that decision in in the springtime to target feed and use and this year maybe is a little bit of um a one-off but the the feed barley prices we're seeing now are are great um but uh even at a moderately placed four dollar per bushel feed price that we used in this in this analysis which isn't on the high end the very high end and it's not on the very low end it's kind of right in the middle um we could see that, you know, it's a profitable option. So it's it's nice to see some data backing that up. I know that some farmers target that every year, but it's nice to, to have that assurance of some small plot data as well. Absolutely. So in in combination with this, or, or maybe in parallel, I should say, um, you did do another uh, study looking at um, MODIS, which is a, a PGR um, um that could potentially be used uh, in barley in the future, um, and then uh, different nitrogen rates on some malting, for uh, on some malting varieties. Uh, so, what was the goal of this study? Right. So, this one uh, was led by myself at Lakeland College and Sherry Stridehorse with Alberta Agriculture and Dune Polly with Alberta Agriculture down in Lethbridge were also collaborators uh, with sites in their uh, respective geographies. And what we did was we looked at four varieties, four barley varieties, um, one feed and three malts. So kind of similar to the last experiment that we just talked about under two nitrogen rates, um, but also with a plant growth regulator. So with MODIS or without MODIS. And we were, we were hoping to see, um, you know, under those high fertility situations uh, where, uh, especially if the variety has a weaker uh, genetic package for for standability um could modus plant growth regulator assist in those situations 
So I, I was looking through some of the information that was coming from this trial, and I found it interesting because you did uh, both early season and late season plant height measurements. Um, could you maybe give us a little description as to why you did that and why that's important? Sure. So we, we measured plant height 14 days after we applied MODIS because often what we see with um, these gibberellin inhibiting PGRs, so those, these ones that we apply at growth stage 30 to 32, um, you know, around that five leaf stage early in the season, we find that there's an initial, certainly we can see an initial difference in height early in the season. And it you, sometimes the degree of height reduction changes later in the season. So we were wanting to capture that response early on and then see if it carried through to maturity and uh, harvest timing when when the when it might actually count quite a bit more. So what we actually saw that MODIS would consistent consistently in, in six of six of the environments that we uh, in the study in six out of six MODIS always reduced the early season plant height. And then the late season plant height was fairly consistent as well. In five of six environments, we saw um, a two to seven centimeter height decrease. Um, so fairly substantial in some environments. Um, that translated into standability improvements in some environments um, sometimes. So in three of the five environments where we had lodging in the study, MODIS improved standability. Which from a PGR standpoint, is that is that kind of expected? Is this, is this a level that we're kind of expecting to see three out of five environments based on previous research? I, I think it's really in line with previous research. The consistency of, uh, of a PGR is not, it's not in the same class as, let's say, like a herbicide, where if you spray a herbicide, you expect the weed to die almost every time. Um, with a PGR, lodging is such a inconsistent issue to begin with, it just seems that um, we are, it's difficult to see the consistency in the PGR, but um, 305 environments is actually fairly good. Uh, we're I'm pretty happy with that result. Um, there were different degrees of lodging in those five environments though. So um, where MODIS did assist, um, where lodging pressure was moderate, um, MODIS reduced, but didn't eliminate the lodging. Um, where lodging was very severe, MODIS did not assist with that. So where, where we actually had super lodge plots that were very challenging to harvest, um, probably similar to something you might see in a headland along a bush where there was just really flattened barley. In those areas, maybe where there's fertilizer overlap in a field situation, something akin to that. MODIS wasn't assisting in the one environment where, where that happened. Um, and then where lodging was really slight, like just a touch of lodging pressure, MODIS was able to um, to eliminate that that lodging. I, I think I, I remember being at um, one of your trials uh, a couple of years ago and seeing the amount of lodging um, and and I guess taking all of this uh, you know this isn't a silver bullet is what I'm getting but it can certainly mitigate the impacts but you're not gonna 
spray modus and then see absolutely no lodging. Um, it's going to you know, take away some of those areas where it's, it's moderate um, and low, but some of those significant lodging areas, it's, it's not going to be the resolution to your issues. I think so. And, I, and, and some field scale trials are agreeing with, with what we're finding in the small plot. And so kind of just setting expectations uh, for when uh, Trinexpac or Modus is anticipated to be on market in 2021 is, um, you know, expect an improvement in standability, um, but certainly not an elimination of lodging, but maybe thinking of this as, okay, can this increase my combine speed harvesting speed by one mile an hour? Or, you know, even though maybe it's not going to eliminate lodging, there are some some benefits that certainly could be helping um, us in field situations uh, with barley lodging. But as you say, you know, if you're go if we're growing a variety with terrible genetics in terms of standability, you know, very poor lodging rating, if we're growing that under a high nitrogen rate or under a manured situation, spraying modus is not going to make that, it will not save that variety from lodging. It might improve it a bit, but it's, it's uh, we need to use it as one of the tools, um, not the only tool. That uh, that statement seems to ring true in so many aspects of, of agriculture. It just you know everything is so intertwined in its in its effects on on how uh, on how crops grow, uh, whether it be disease and weed management and residue management and fertility and PGRs. It's all interconnected, um, and and considering each of those aspects is important for growing a, a strong profitable crop I feel um, you know modus didn't just impact um, height and lodging uh, there were also other impacts yield uh, and and maturity were actually impacted in this trial as well right mm -hmm. so um, we did see a grain yield increase how about half the time three of six environments um, between four and seven bushels per acre. So, you know, between two and 5%. Um, it wasn't really well linked to the degree of lodging. Um, sometimes we saw yield increase where there was no lodging present. And sometimes where modus actually improved standability in the site, we didn't see a yield response. So, you know, I, I think if, if there is a grain yield increase that you see, um, it's a bonus. Um, it's not something to necessarily expect every year. We did never, we never saw a yield decrease um, so certainly there are yield effects that are actually right now at this time difficult to link to or predict when and where they may happen um, and as far as maturity um, modus did prolong maturity you know from less than half a day to a maximum of 1.5 days um, so really in most areas of Alberta that um, isn't going to impact have any have any impact on um, production with with those small increases in maturity. So very in line with what we've been finding over the last five, six years with PGR research um, with Manipulator and Modus actually. All right, we're going to pause here and go to a quick commercial break, but we will be right back. Want to be involved in shaping the sustainable future for Canadian grain farmers? The Responsible Grain Code of Practice is currently in draft form and needs input from farmers. 
Responsible Grain is a voluntary and science-based code of practice that demonstrates Canadian grain farmers' care and commitment to the environment. Register for an online introductory session January 2021 to get involved. Visit responsiblegrain.ca to learn more and register today. I think this is very valuable information and I'm sure there's a lot of producers and agronomists that will uh, that will find value in this. Is is Before we finish, Laurel, is there any um, final statements or, or, or final things that you, that you want to say to anyone who's listening? Sure. So on the topic of MODIS, um, there's anticipated registration for plant 2021. Um, now, it's important that just because there's registration doesn't mean there's acceptance. So, of course, on the malting side of things, um, you know, check with the malt houses uh, where you're marketing your grain. Uh, if if you are planning to use this on a malt, because uh, that's that's um, really the final reckoning is will the end user accept a product um we did actually have canada malt uh support this project and uh, they actually malted out um samples from the three malt varieties that had a plant growth regulator modus on and that didn't um, we just have two site years of data for the malt quality but in that limited data set um there was no impact on the malt quality chemical parameters, so things like alpha amylase, beta-glucan, diastatic power, um, we weren't seeing uh, an impact um, from MODIS and, uh, you know, MODIS is registered in other places that um, produce malt barley and have acceptance there, but bottom line is that until our domestic uh, or the people who are accepting our grain here in Western Canada accept it as, uh, as a product to be used, um, Approach with caution and just uh, double check. I think uh, those are great words of caution. Um, it's always important to talk to your to your end user um, and make sure they're they're happy with anything that's going on. Because yeah, that's that's where it needs to end up going anyway. Um, well, I greatly appreciate you taking the time this morning, Laurel, um, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of this information come forward. And, and I'm sure um, as this uh, as this data continues to be looked at um there'll be uh information sheets for producers to have on hand um so hopefully we'll be de developing that in the future so thank you for the time laurel uh and um have a great rest of your day thanks you too jeremy and a big thank you to um the industry uh funders that supported supported this project so alberta barley syngenta um, we had support from Canada Malt and CCAN as well, um, Alberta Egg and Forestry and um, Lakeland College uh, Battle River Research Group. So thanks to everyone who made this, these two projects uh, happen. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Growing Point Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a second to rate, review, and share this podcast with all of your friends. This helps us grow and get our message out. You can also sign up for the Growing Point newsletter by going to Alberta Wheat or albertabarley.com and sign up for our mailing list. This will help you stay up to date on all the agronomic information we share through articles, interviews, and the newsletter. See you next time.